0: Good morning, North Shore. I trust, and I believe that that video is probably speaking some truth to you this morning, right? Yes, yes. Well, I, yeah, amen. <laughs> I want to start with the Bible first. Uh, Proverbs 23, 25. May she who gave you birth be happy. And that's our heart today, is that moms, that you would be happy. So, so from Debbie, from myself, mm-hmm. happy Mother's Day. I know it's a unique Mother's Day this year but I pray that you're encouraged, that you're uplifted, and you have amazing connection with family. And so as we step into our Mother's Day sermon, what our hope is, is to honor all women. And I was thinking about my life and just the impact that women have had in my life. And Debbie, I'm sure you've been impacted by women.
1: Why don't you share a couple of those women with us? Okay. So happy Mother's Day, and I... Sent yesterday uh, a little devotional a little something with a cute little 30-second um, video, because I know we're getting videoed out here, um, that I hope will put a smile on your face, moms. so um, look for that. Um, I want to make that's my way to wish you a happy Mother's Day um, virtually this uh, season that we are in. Um, but so I could. First thought was my mom, of course, women that influenced my life. But I want to be more current. I want to talk about some women that have um, influenced daily now in my life. And so I want to start with my four daughters. I don't know when that the role changed from mom, daughter, you know, to mentor, to friend. But I think if I look back, I could say that I have been learning from my kids ever since they were really little with their honesty and their their personality and their vivaciousness. They are all so unique, but they love Jesus with their whole heart. And they serve him. And they are bold in their witness for Jesus. They are creative. They they teach me to laugh and to live life to the full. They um, teach me how to step out of my Uh, comfort zones for Jesus. And um, I always say, I want to be like them when I grow up. And the other um, uh, person that I want to give a shout out today is my best friend Renee. She is a a godly woman, a wise woman, a studier of God's word, and just a picture of how to love her family and others. She is a giver extraordinaire. And I am just so thankful for her faithfulness and her love in my life and the influence that she has in my life. And I learn from her continually. So shout out to all of these women. Love you.
0: I love it, I love it. Uh, for me, as I was thinking about this question, you know, I've been, again, highly impacted by women in my life. I think of my wife, my daughters, my sister, uh, my friends, my coworkers. Uh, powerful, amazing women who have impacted my life. But I was was thinking about this. I thought of two women. And one is my mom, and the other is my mother-in-law. Both of them came from really tough backgrounds uh, in their childhoods. But what blossomed in is, is this amazing heart of grace. And for me, how it impacted me is every time I was around my mom, who's no longer with us, but and my mother-in-law i feel safe i feel like a child again even at 50 years old when i'm around them i, I just feel like a child i feel accepted i feel valued i feel encouraged and i feel loved mm-hmm. so it's this powerful thing and i'm so grateful for them and all the powerful women in our lives and so happy mother's day and happy mother's day to all women because you're all motherlike making an impact so today we want to honor all women with our message And we're going to look at women who show us that faith works in everyday life. Let me start with prayer. Father God, we love you. And we are thankful for the women in our lives. And I do pray a happy Mother's Day for all the mothers. But Father, I pray today as we just look in the Bible at women who just lived out their faith. uh, I pray that would be an encouragement to all women and all people. And so this is your time. I pray that you, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would move in each of our hearts and transform and change us into the likeness of your son, Jesus. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Debbie, why don't you start us out?
1: So as we're looking at examples of um, how to live out our faith in everyday life, we're going to use some examples of women in the Bible, and we're going to start with the example of Eunice and Lois in 2 Timothy 1.5, and they teach us how faith works in our home, how faith works in our home. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. We don't know a lot about these women, not much at all really, other than that uh, Eunice was a Jewish believer, and she was married to a Greek man. We read about that in Acts 16.1. But we do know that they raised Timothy to know and to love God. Paul goes on to say in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus so paul credits these two women a a mom and a grandma with teaching god's word with being an example of what faith looks like in their home and with making an eternal impact on the life of timothy but what can we learn from from them Um, I just have a couple of things. Whether or not you are a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, or an uncle, you can be a legacy of faith in your family. You can be a loving influence to them. You can lay the foundations that are necessary to raise your kids to know and love God like Eunice and Lois did. But how do we do that? Here's a couple practical ideas. First, by setting an example in your personal devotional life. In order for Lois and Eunice to be able to teach scripture and be able to teach Timothy to love God, they first had to have a relationship with God, right? So we get to know God by spending time in his presence. And there is no more impactful picture in a home then watching someone spend time in the presence of God. Just uh, we don't have to preach at our kids, we just need to give them an example to follow in our own relationship with God and our times with him in study and prayer, our times with him with study and prayer. So are you setting an example for your children on how to love and know Jesus? Uh, Do they see what it's like to be in the presence of God and have an intimate relationship with Jesus through you? Making God your priority will set a foundation for your kids to follow. Laying a foundation of what faith looks like while your kids are young will help them be stronger when they face those more tumultuous years in junior high and high school and, and when they go off to college. This is your legacy of faith. And the second thing we can do is by praying for our kids and encouraging them to become who God created them to be. When, uh, five years ago, we filled out with my best friend's family um, time capsules and it's just a sheet of paper where we wrote down our dreams and goals and desires for the next five years. And on um, Easter, as a family, we opened them up and we had a great laugh about all of the things that we thought should have happened these past five years and what actually did happen. Uh, For example, you know, I, don't ask me why, but I seem to think that all four of my daughters needed to be married by now and that I needed to be a grandma. (laughs) Now, those aren't bad dreams and goals, but they obviously were not what God intended. So one of the hardest things as a parent is letting go of our own dreams and desires for our kids and encouraging them instead to become what God wants them to be or what God created them to be. so I, I, I just don't think that, uh, that Lois and, and Eunice had any idea of how impactful Timothy was going to be on the early church and throughout generations and generations, even today, as we read about his life and his influence in the New Testament. They just wanted him to know God. They just wanted him to know God. So we need to be a loving influence in the way we raise our kids in how we teach them, and how they see us live out our faith. So are you gently guiding your kids to discover what God or who God is for themselves? Are you encouraging them to discover what it means to be sons and daughters of God? So faith in the home, it's about being a legacy, setting an example of what a legacy of faith looks like. By being a loving influence and by laying godly foundations for them to follow.
0: That's good, right there. Woo! Good job, Debbie. That's awesome. So, the next thing we're going to look at is faith works in the workplace. So, turn to Acts 16. The verse will be on the screen. Uh, And what we're going to discover is an example of healthy faith and workplace relationships. And so, in Acts 16, The setup here is Paul is uh, making his way into Europe, him and his missions team, and they're going to come into Philippi where they're going to basically start the first church. So we're going to start in Acts 16, verse 12. And from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day... We went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Verse 14. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. And after she was baptized and her household as well, She urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. So who we meet here is Lydia. And the setting is Lydia is basically on a business trip. She is a seller of purple goods. That's probably fabric and purple dye was a very scarce commodity. So only the wealthy and the royalty used it. So she was kind of selling like Rodeo Drive kind of stuff, okay, (laughs) so that's who she was. And in this business trip or on this business trip, she gets saved, it's awesome. So we can look to her in this workplace setting and look at her example and learn some lessons the first one in verse 13 Lydia set an example of worship priority because Paul came in to the city and what he often did is would go to the synagogue and he would teach there was no synagogue synagogue excuse me you need 10 heads of families to establish a synagogue so there wasn't 10 faithful men so Paul went outside the city And figured that there'd be some people gathered on the Sabbath. And yes, there was a group of women praying. And Lydia was one of them. So, what we learn from Lydia is that she obeyed the Sabbath, she received the gift that God had for her. Mark 2 tells us that the Sabbath is a gift, the Sabbath is a gift from God. the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what happens, Lydia was stepping in and receiving the gift that God had for her. And what did she do with that gift? She worshiped. She prayed. We found her going into having a conversation with God to receive what he had for her. And this story is amazing. What did he have for her? salvation. She went out to this, I would say, typical Sabbath prayer, and she met the Apostle Paul. It's like you go into a prayer meeting, and like Billy Graham shows up. (laughs) And she meets Jesus there. She gets saved. She gets baptized. So I want to ask a question of you. What if, what if Lydia didn't go that day? She didn't have worship as a priority, because she was busy, right? She was working she would have missed what God had for her. Too often for us, we don't make worship a priority. Whether it be going to church or our devotions. Because every time we encounter Jesus, he has a word for us. He's always working. So just think about these days that we miss. It's not just missing going to church. It's not just missing my devotion. You could be Missing what Jesus has for you that day. Lydia shows that. She did not let work crowd out her worship. She made her worship a priority. Number two here, we see in verse 14, Lydia set an example of work ethic. Lydia was a hard worker. She was traveling. She was an entrepreneur because she is from a town where it was the, the hub of this purple dye and fabric It states this is her hometown. She's in Philippi, which is a Roman colony. I believe what she's doing is that she's taking new ground. As a traveling saleswoman, she's taking new ground. So she's working hard, and we can see uh, by this uh, text and some others that she is very, very successful. So she has a strong work ethic. And the Scriptures call us to have a strong work ethic. Proverbs is just filled with... Scripture is calling us in to be people that work hard. That we work hard. But we have a different focus in our work. Our work is to the Lord. Our work is to be worshipped. Listen to Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily. as for the Lord and not for men. Do it for the Lord, it says. Focus on God, not for all the, the earthly things you can get, money and things. and But no, work heartily, the whole person, is what that word means, for the Lord. Because when our work is worship, our work then becomes a witness. Mm-hmm. Although what Matthew five sixteen says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So any good work, work ethic, one of the good works, they will see who you represent, who are you following. And I have a story. When I was a, a, a young guy, not a believer, I, I started my first job as a big company, and I went into this company. I was a young guy, and I wanted to learn how to, how, how to work. And it happened to be this big department of men, right? And, and I went in there, and there's this one guy who worked hard. He it never cut a corner. He did it right the first time. was full of integrity. And I thought, wow, I want to kind of be like that guy. So I kind of pressed into this guy. His name was Brent. And I found out why he worked so hard. Because he was a Christian. Because he loved Jesus. He didn't do it for the organization. He did it for Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, he is the one that ultimately led me to Jesus. And it started with watching him work for the Lord To witness, and we can do that, but have a strong work ethic because it reflects in who you serve. The next point here, verse 15, is Lydia set an example of kingdom availability. So we see she was working, working hard, uh, but while she was working, and she was on this business trip and working, she was available for the kingdom work. I love how verse 15 ends. She invited them to come to her house, right? She obviously, as I already stated, uh, was focused on the Sabbath and what God had. Uh, She invited the apostles to her place, and it was powerful because what happened is the first church in Europe was at Lydia's home. Wow, powerful kingdom work. Now, we know she's wildly successful at her earthly job, but in this text, You know what's most mentioned is her kingdom success Mm -hmm. because she made available while she's working herself, her time, her resources, and pretty sure she made her money available too. We think that she helped fund Paul's missionary journeys. So it's this powerful, powerful thing. She did not use the excuse that I hear too often. I'm too busy. I'm too busy at work. Work's really busy right now, pastor. I, I can't go to church. I can't help at the church. I can't lead life group. I can't go to women's group. I'm too busy. Right. It just crowds this life that God has for us out. When will work be our focus versus kingdom? Sandy and I ran into this. We were young, and I was, I was chasing the white picket fence. Uh, I had multiple jobs, and we had a young family, and we were just working and working, trying to get there. And I was a believer, a new believer, and I would love serving Jesus, but I couldn't because I was working all the time. And one day I heard this song. It's a country song, so if you don't like country music, I apologize. (laughs) But it has this line in it. It says, I'm in a hurry, and I don't know why. I'm in a hurry, and I don't know why. And that resonated. I started thinking about my life. I love Jesus, and there was no space for him. I said, what am I doing? So that night I went home, and I told Sandy just how God stirred in my heart, and she said, I had the same occurrence today. What are we doing? Who are we? So we simplified, we quit some jobs, and we moved. And interesting enough, when I made myself kingdom available, the church I started serving in was a church that called me to full-time ministry. Right? Right? And a country song like me there, <laughs> oh. and so what is our, our attention supposed to be? Um, Matthew six thirty three says this: Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these will be added to you. What he's saying is, have eyes for the kingdom all the time while you're working. Matthew twenty eight nineteen says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What he's saying is, have feet ready to go where I send you. Your workplace is the best place, I'd say second to your home, so the second best place um, to share the gospel and be a witness. So what you need to be at work is to be kingdom available. That's what Lydia did. And look at what God did while she was kingdom available. He started the church uh, in a Roman colony. Because remember, when Rome got the attention, or Jesus got the attention of Rome, Christianity exploded all over the world, right? So this is how significant someone being kingdom available in Philippi while she's working had on Christianity all over the world. It's powerful. Debbie, what's our next point?
1: So we'd like to lastly talk about how faith works in our community. And this goes along so beautifully with Lydia because we've already seen how she served her community. But I also want to take us to some other women that are practically never mentioned in Acts 21, verses 8 and 9. And they are Philip's four daughters. Um, let's set a little background here first. Paul is on nearing the end of his third missionary journey. And he is on his way to Jerusalem via ship. And he stops in the port town of Caesarea. It's on the Mediterranean coast. And there he visits and stays With Philip and his four daughters. It says, On the next day we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. This is definitely one of those passages of scripture where you wish more was said. Really, all we know about this family from here is that Philip was an evangelist, that he was one of the seven who, according to Acts 6, was set apart to specifically care for the Gentile widows. And he had four, as of yet, unmarried daughters, and these daughters were prophets. Now, prophecy is uh, a gift of the Holy Spirit. But even before the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost and gave us his gifts and came upon the people, there were female prophets in the Bible, like Deborah and Miriam and Huldah, just to name a few, but at Pentecost, Peter quotes Joel two twenty-eight in his big famous sermon. And he says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Amen. So the, the job of a prophet in the Bible was to be God's messenger, to um, tell the people through the power of the Holy Spirit what God had for them. The, the words that God had for them and so these four daughters were given this gift specifically by God and we can assume that they had an impact in their community just even for them to be mentioned by Luke in the book of Acts um, and Eusebius the Christian historian he calls them out and he says that they were great lights and mighty luminaries so they had respect and they had uh, some authority in their community but what can we learn from them? Um, I think there's two um, really significant things that I would like to, um, for us to take away from these four incredible ladies. And the first is that your status in life has nothing to do with your usefulness in God's kingdom. Amen. Your status in life has nothing to do with your usefulness in God's kingdom. He just wants a willing servant. A joyful heart and he will use you for your glory as you serve the kingdom. Philip's daughters weren't married. The widow or the yeah, the poor widow in Mark 12, she gave regardless of her poverty. Mm-hmm. Nympha, she opened up her home to a church, Colossians 4:15. We are all called to serve. Listen to what Galatians 5:13 says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So as with Philip's daughters, God has a specific task for you, regardless of where you are at in life right now. So I I want to encourage you to put away the lies that you have been told that are keeping you from serving your community. Lies like, I'm too old (laughs) to do it, be any good anymore. I have to have abundant resources before I can give of what I have. Or that I have to be in this position of leadership before I can make an impact for Jesus. Satan will use those lies always to thwart and to stop kingdom work. Beth Moore, in her book, Whispers of Hope, that we've been going through in uh, women's life groups. She said, just because you can't do something great doesn't mean you can't do something good. So I want to encourage you to let God choose what good thing he wants for you to do and not let wherever you are at in your life right now stop you from making an impact for Jesus in your community. But you might say, how will I know how I can serve? This brings me to my second point that we can learn from these women. And that is that God, all of us, are given gifts and talents by God to be used for the benefit of God's kingdom. Talents like musical abilities, organizational skills, problem solving, gardening, creating, fixing things, whatever you're naturally good at you can use those for your community, for the benefit of your community. For example, if you're good at gardening, how about a neighbor who's having a tough time right now keeping up with yard work? ding dong dig some chocolate chip cookies on your neighbor's doorstep or mine. I'll take them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, right now there's a lot of financial stuff going on, and I'm sure that there are people that you know that could use some things fixed in their home or around their property, and they can't afford to hire somebody to do it. So, if that's your skill set, please use it, you know, to serve God's kingdom. Um, what is, so the door, I guess the, the question that I'd like to, to leave with you on that is what natural talent has God given you that you can use to serve your community? Now, spiritual gifts, they are given for the common good of God's kingdom. For the common good of God's kingdom. This is what 1 Corinthians 12 says. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So spiritual gifts are given to grow God's kingdom and to strengthen and encourage the faith of others. As we serve our community, relationships will be built. Conversations will be opened up. People will start asking questions like Scott said happened when he asked questions about his co-worker. And people are going to start to learn about Jesus because relationships are being built. So my point is we need to be willing, we need to be ready, and we need to use the gifts and the talents that God has specifically given us for the benefit of the community and to draw people into faith in Jesus. So what gifts and talents has God given you and how are you using them to serve the community?
0: It's good. Thank you, Debbie. Wow, that just uh, faith works in everyday life, right? Everyday life. Everyday yep. life. And uh, yep. this just reminds me, as I was thinking about this, um, that that's a call for all of us. All of us. You know, we're honoring and celebrating women by looking at women who lived this out, but it's a call for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of Galatians 2.20, that what we're really called to do is to live outward. Uh, the life that Jesus has put in us, Listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're to take this life that Jesus has put in us and live it outward. And that's what I really hear jumping off these pages. Faith works in everyday life because Jesus wants to work in everyday life. There's a story that you have that takes us to an important question.
1: Yes, I recently read a a true story about a a man named Paul. He was in New York City on business, and when they had completed, he and his coworkers, their their work, they ran out of the building on their way to the rush to the airport, and lo and behold, there was a taxi cab waiting outside the building, which, if you've ever been in New York City, is pretty crazy. And on their haste to get that cab before somebody else did, they inadvertently knock down a woman's fruit stand. Paul stops, looks back at the mess that they made, back at his colleagues, and they all yell, Come on, Paul, we're going to miss our plane! He hesitates and says, No, go on ahead, I'll catch up. And he turns around to go and help the woman. As he approaches, he sees that she's blind and that she's silently crying. So he encourages her, and. He picks up that fruit stand and sets it up for her. He, he carefully places all the fruit back in their places. He throws away the damaged fruit, and he even pays her for the damages. And in the meantime, hundreds of people are going by, and not one person stops to help. When he's finished, as he's leaving, she says, are you Jesus? Well, uh, no, he says. <laughs> She said, because I was just praying that Jesus would come and help me with my problem. So Paul went on search for a taxi, took him a long time to find one and to fight the traffic to the airport, and he did indeed miss his flight home. Had to stay an extra night in New York. And all night long, he tossed and turned with this question. When was the last time Someone confused me for Jesus. So my question for us today, our first response question is, when was the last time someone saw Jesus in you? Do your kids see Jesus in the way that you are handling the stress of, of being sequestered at home together 24-7? Do your coworkers see Jesus in your integrity and in the way that you are dealing with? with all of the job changes right now, or in the faith that you know that God's gonna provide for you? Does your community know that you love Jesus in the way that you serve them? When was the last time someone confused you for Jesus?
0: That's good. (laughs) Uh, What a great question. Let's just sit in that. When was the last time, I'm gonna, Tweak it just a little bit. When was the last time someone could have yes. mistaken you for Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Exactly. Right? Yes. When was the last time that you were Jesus like? I want you to think about that. I want you to take it to this place too. In what area in your life do you need to be more like Jesus? And mm-hmm. we just want to set in that today. That is our great call, our great privilege. And that's how faith works in everyday life. When We live the life that Jesus has for us. I'm gonna close in prayer right now, but know this, right after this service, there's gonna be a link, and you can come into our Zoom prayer time. Our pastors, some of our elders are in there, and you can enter into a video room. Uh, you'll see Brittany. She's in what we call the lobby. She'll pop up up on a video screen and, and she'll greet you and you just let her know what's in your heart and then she will put you in a private chat room with one of our pastors and you'll have a chance to talk, to pray, just be together. So I really wanna encourage you to take advantage of that and process this question. Tell a story. When was the last time someone could've mistaken you for Jesus? And where do you need to grow to become more like Jesus? Let me pray. Father God, you're good, we love you. And I am so grateful that we have a savior, a Jesus, that infiltrates and impacts and influences our everyday life. And we get to walk out our faith in him by allowing the life that he puts in us to touch this world, So Father, I pray for me, I pray for Debbie, I pray for everybody uh, that they would be like Jesus. And I love this, that we do not have to do that on our own power. So I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that really is, is we are empowered when we surrender. What a gift. It's not about my works and how good I am and all the good things I do. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. And so, Father, I pray for a powerful surrender all through our church now, and that this community might see Jesus through North Shore. And So, Father, do your good work in us. Do your good work through us. And may all the honor, power, and glory forever be yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, North Shore. We love you, and God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.